Good day to you. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is Friday, January 21st, 2022. This is your daily scripture meditation. Uh, today we are going to begin in the book of Job, and we're going to be in that for quite a while, because it's one of the length, it's a pretty lengthy book of the Bible. Now you're probably wondering, why are we in Job? Weren't we in Genesis the other day? I, I know, I mean, I know we're going from New Testament to Old Testament, but we're in Genesis. Why are we in Job? Well, I'm going to bring this up onto the screen for you, and you're going to we're going to go into a little bit of the background of Job, and so right up on the top here. So this is from the Lutheran Study Bible. Which is, a, if you're looking for a Bible to purchase, I encourage you to go buy this. It has wonderful resources, wonderful little uh, footnotes in it. And at the beginning of each book, you have these wonderful introductions. And so right up at the top here, you see these lines of years. So a estimated year that Abraham was born was 2166 B.C. And you see Jacob and Esau, Jacob dies, da 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 da, -da. So then we see, okay, who is the author of Job? Job or contemporary. Now the dating of this is late 3rd or early 2nd millennium BC. Now if you remember what we read on Wednesday was we read about Abram and marrying Sarai. And, or Abraham marrying Sarah. Well, Job... Based upon this dating, probably lived before Abraham. And this is why Job is actually the oldest book of the entire Bible. And it's part of the reason it's actually one of the most challenging books of the Bible to translate. Because for one, there's a lot of poetry in it, but it's also very old Hebrew. Um, it's the oldest of the books of the Bible. And it's the old and with and the nature of language is it changes a lot and so it makes it very difficult to translate. So here's some little stuff in here, uh, but let me get to see if I can find Luther. All right, let's Luther on Job. He says Luther states that the book of Job is written for our comfort. It teaches us that all people sin and that God's justice is not like human justice. The book of Job deals with the question whether misfortune comes from God even to the righteous. Job stands firm and contends that God torments even the righteous without cause, other than that, that this be to God's praise. As Christ also testifies in John 9, verse 3, of the man who was born blind. Job's friends take the other side. They make a big and lengthy palaver, empty talk trying to maintain God's justice, saying that he does not punish a righteous man. And if he does punish, then the man who's punished must have sinned. They have a worldly and human idea of God and his righteousness, as though he were just like men and his justice like the justice of the world. To be sure, when Job is in danger of death, <coughs> out of human weakness, he talks too much against God and in his suffering sins. Nevertheless, Job insists that he has not deserved this suffering more than others have, which is, of course, true. Finally, however, God decides that Job, by speaking against God in his suffering, has spoken wrongly, but that in contending against his friends about his innocence before the suffering, 
came Job has spoken the truth. So the book carries this story ultimately to this conclusion. God alone is righteous, and yet one man is more righteous than another, even in the sight of God. But this is written for our comfort, that God allows even his great saints to falter, especially in adversity. For before Job comes into fear of death, he praises God at the theft of his goods and the death of his children. But when death is in prospect and God withdraws himself, Job's words show what kind of thoughts a man, however holy he may be, holds toward God. He thinks that God is not God, but only a judge and a wrathful tyrant, who storms ahead and cares nothing about the goodness of a person's life. This is the finest part of this book. It is understood only by those who also experience and feel what it is to suffer the wrath and judgment of God and to have his grace hidden. The language of this book is more vigorous and splendid than that of any other book in all the scriptures. So, for example, when he says something like this, the thirsty will pant after his wealth, that means robbers shall take it from him. And when he says the children of pride have never trodden it, that means the young lions that stalk proudly, in many similar cases, again, by light, he means good fortune, by darkness, misfortune, and so forth. So, so quite a bit written there by Luther on this. And so it kind of shows that um, Luther held this in high regard. So anyway, so with all of that in mind, we read Job chapters 1 and 2. There's a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when Job, when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. Yahweh said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered Yahweh and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down it. And Yahweh said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. 
but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh. Now first I want to cover a little bit here is the issue here I want to talk about is the righteousness of Job. When I read that commentary from Luther, it kind of gets addressed. What makes Job righteous? Is it because he keeps the law perfectly? No. It tells it. He fears Yahweh and he turns from evil. And it should be noted that he turns from evil because he fears Yahweh. And this kind of, this cheer, this, um, this ties to what we read about in the commandments yesterday from the catechism. We sh what does this mean? Answer, we should fear and love God so that we too may turn from evil. Those who fear and love God turn from evil. So in other words, righteousness comes from the fear and love of God. It comes from faith. So, um... So it's not about his the good works he does. Rather, he does the good works because he's righteous. His good works, his good deeds, his relenting of evil is evidence of his faith. And now we're not going to say that he's perfect because we know that. Ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, people have been, have been sinful. Even Job has sin. He's not perfect. But he's, his righteousness is found in his faith. And this will very much apply to when we read about Abraham, whenever that comes up. All right, so I'm going to keep going here. Verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, and the servants had consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels, and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. And all this Job did not sin, or charge God with wrong. Whew. This is, this is faith. And... In the face of incredible calamity, 
How many of us would be able to do what Job did? I mean, with that much lost, could we do that? But the thing is, is that there are people around the world that do experience things like this, and yeah, they still say, Blessed be the name of Yahweh. And how can you still do that? How can you still, how can a person still praise God when such calamity happens? And the thing is, is when we have calamity, we forget. that we're sinners. We forget how broken we really are and that this is what all of us deserve. We all deserve calamity. It's merely by the grace of God that we don't all experience it. The faith is saying, praise God even when things are bad. It's easy to praise God and say thank you when Things are going good. But what about when things like this happen? It's not easy. But that is faith. Chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh. And Satan also came among them to present himself before Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered, answered Yahweh and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And Yahweh said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh, and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he was sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, God, Job, did not sin with his lips. So one thing, this is, this little thing, this is a moment where the English, the ESV translates kind of bad, and it creates a problem. Um, the word here. It translates it as evil, but you'll notice there's a number right next to it. And this is probably the better translation. Disaster. So the thing is, is when you write, if it, when it translates evil, it makes it look like God is the author of evil. It's not talking about evil like sin. It's talking about 
disaster, calamity. Yes, God can allow for that. He is the creator of the universe. We already have that with the flood, which we read a couple weeks ago, last week. Yes, God brings calamity, brings disaster upon the earth. That is what's being spoken of here, not evil like sin. But notice, but yes, again here, Job is remaining faithful. Verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this, this disaster that had come upon him, they came, they came each from his own place. Aliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. So, that is kind of actually a good little lesson. Is What do you do when your friend is suffering? So like this, like Job is, I mean, suffering to such a degree they don't recognize him. They, they sat with him. They spent time with him. And they didn't say anything. They're just there. And that's actually kind of it's one of those things that as a pastor, when I went to, as, as a studying for ministry, I went and did something that's called clinical pastoral education. And a big part of that job was to go visit patients. And a lot of times, you've, especially in a great calamity, when something really bad happens, you're trying to think of what do you say? What can you say to them in such a situation? And the answer sometimes is is to that you don't have to have something to say. You just need to be there for them. And that's what I did that I had to learn um, during during those times is just to be there for a person um, in these times. Just and that is what Job's friends are doing. So this moment, at this point, Job's friends are actually doing kind of a good thing. But um, there's going to be more. They're not going to look so good later. So let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we live in a world in the midst of a lot of calamity and a lot of difficulty. We pray that you would keep us steadfast in this one true faith even in the midst of the most trying of times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Blessings on your day.